all have bucket lists, dreams, goals, and things we've always wanted to do. And then you meet the person that makes one of their bucket list items an Ironman race and makes it happen in their 50s. Tune in to Tanya Dalton from Australia as she discusses her transition through menopause and how this affected her mind, her body, and how she ticked off this item from her list. We also discuss our views on sleep, recovery, training volume, increasing protein, and truly listening to your body. Tanya has inspired me, and I know she will do the same for you. So where is your bucket list, and what's next? And get after it. Well, the excitement is mutual, Tanya. Welcome to the Sexy Aging Podcast. I'm so happy that you could join me today. How are we doing? Lockdown life. Yes, I know. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, crazy. Hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully by 2022, we'll be living relatively normally. Yeah, I mean, that would be important for you and your goals because um, I'm just going to introduce you to the audience now. Um, Tanya, you're a bit of a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a little bit in awe. I've been following you on um, on your Instagram, but more more recently reading your blog posts, which I've really felt a deep connection to the way you write and the things Thank that you. you say about life, living life, living your best life in your 50s. Um, because you, probably what you're most famous for, <laughs> is you decided to do an Ironman after the age of 50. And um, being a former triathlete, I never dipped my toes into that distance and because for me it was like from my mind perspective such a massive amount of work to be done so I'm just going Tanya you're amazing you're also a healthy aging coach personal trainer and probably more recently the a post-menopause fitness and health authority or specialist and I know that you're also going to be guest presenting in the feisty menopause convention yes. that's coming up in two weeks right yeah I know I can't believe yeah. that it's terrifying yeah. but amazing yeah well I mean but that's the cool thing about this whole point or this part of life that we've entered into there are moments where we could feel 100% terrified but we just freaking gonna do it anyway <laughs> I, you know what I totally agree like if you looked at me before menopause I would there is no way I'd even be speaking to you like I was terrified and um I think and I don't know about other people and I talk about this all the time but I feel like once my kind of nurturing hormones my reproductive hormones kind of flatlined it's given me this like much more courage and um yeah I'm just able to do things that I never ever thought I'd be able to do before and it's yes it's such a I think for me it's been a wonderful thing uh, a wonderful part of menopause is that that kind of putting myself first and taking risks and you know being more courageous it's been really great I love that I mean I've actually just like 10 minutes before we caught up I did a little Instagram post and I don't often do them on the sexy aging where it's me talking because a lot of the sexy aging Instagram is really about the guests who are talking on the podcast. But sometimes I might get on there and do a little message. And I felt like it was really from a place of joy, you know, like find your joy and find your purpose. And I feel like for women, and particularly if we are still navigating the lockdown life, um, we can get a little bit all up in our heads around, you know, 
what am I supposed to be doing? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And, you know, knowing that I was going to come and talk to you, I just thought, well, I'll just do that little post because I just feel like I'm going to be so inspired by your message today. <laughs> so um, let's dial back because I think I've probably teased the guests enough. And they're like, oh, freaking heck, get on with it, Tracy. <laughs> so <laughs> how did, I mean, you, you, you're, you're in Australia, you're in Melbourne. Um, and how did you decide or when was the point that you thought, oh, I think I might do an Ironman? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kind of like you. I'd done, I mean, you probably maybe have done a lot more uh, triathlons than me, but in my uh, in my 20s, I did a few like sprint distance ones. You know, those ones that you kind of, you know, if you've got a relative level of fitness, you don't really have to train for that much. And yeah, I kind of like them, but this like an Ironman seemed like, like just not like beyond anything that I could ever imagine and but I'd always wanted since I was 15 I'd always thought about running a marathon I remember voicing my opinion about that when I was 15 and again I just didn't think it was possible for someone I'm not I'm not really a natural endurance athlete kind of person and then also uh, like when I was 15 and I voiced that actually that was before I actually got my first period so then then puberty happened and I ha had a whole lot of body image issues eating disorders then I became almost obese actually so I've had all these kind of issues throughout my almost my whole reproductive life actually and then a whole lot of self-doubt I was kind of a bit of a perfectionist and I thought well I can't do a marathon if I can't do it in I don't know some fantastic time but um I got to the age near where my dad, my dad died of a sudden heart attack when he was 47. And that was actually the reason why I became a fitness instructor in the first place. The year after he died, I trained as a fitness instructor and that was kind of where my passion for um, healthy aging <laughs> started. So when I, when I was approaching 47, my dad's age, I thought, oh, if, you know, if my, if I have a short life like my dad, it's nearly over. And I've got all these things that I've kind of thought about all over the years but never thought were possible and that was the instigator so I ran a marathon um when I was 47 and that was super hard like I <laughs> if you'd see me training you'd think that woman's never running a marathon I was so slow and I have an osteoarthritic toe joint as well which kind of causes a lot of issues and uh but I did it and I I, I came in an hour faster than what anyone anyone was expecting my family weren't even there when I <laughs> When I arrived in the at the MCG in the stadium and it was like it was up there with childbirth for me it was like one of the most emotional experiences of my life and I'll just never forget it it was just such an amazing thing thinking it's taken me 32 years to do this this thing that I, I thought I wasn't capable of and here I am 47 which I was probably perimenopausal then doing this um, event and then yeah so that was kind of the start and then I did a couple of half Ironmans and then decided I thought oh, I'd really like to do one more Ironman and one more marathon. I thought maybe I'll just put a 3.8k swim and a 180k cycle in front of that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so then I started training. So I, I actually got my last period, which I obviously didn't realise was my last period, but and found a coach to train me for the Ironman right at the exact same time, and that was when everything went disastrously for me. Like I was trying to train for the Ironman I was like I, I was feeling terrible I was losing muscle mass it felt like an alarming rate putting on weight I felt like weekly uh and it was just yeah it was a disaster it was a disaster and I ended up pulling out of two events throughout this journey because I just didn't feel ready I was my body wasn't coping
if you have listened to a few episodes of Sexy Aging and you're enjoying the conversations, then consider rating, leaving a review, subscribing so you don't miss out on new episodes, and sharing with your friends so they can get all the info to stay sexy too. Let's get back to this episode now. So Tanya, I've just got a question. Um, so as you're training for the Ironman, and you, and you said that you had a bit of a stop-start experience and you were planning to do some and then you didn't do it, did you actually know that you were perimenopausal at the time? Yes, I knew I was perimenopausal. Okay. I mean, I had, I had the severe night sweats and like waking up waking up changing three times a night and things like that so I knew I was perimenopausal at that stage I you know my period had stopped for quite a while so I I, you know I didn't know that I was postmenopausal at that at the start for example so yeah so I knew I was perimenopausal and the thing was for me and I know this is different for everyone because we're all unique but I didn't really notice the physical changes uh when I was perimenopausal. So I actually look better than I ever have before in my life. I, like when I was training for that marathon, I kind of, I had a fairly muscular build. So when I, when I trained for the marathon, I kind of just stripped off body fat and I had all these muscles and I'm thinking, oh, I'm like killing it. I'm, I'm, I'm not really getting menopause. <laughs> I mean, I know I had the night sweats and some of the other symptoms, but I thought, what are they talking about, about, um, belly fat and putting on weight I remember this actual actually I remember this lady contacting me on Instagram and she goes I used to look like you and she's this, this larger lady with quite a big stomach I'm thinking no I, I'm not going to be that person but yeah that that was kind of like the very naive of me because <laughs> once my period stopped and my flat my hormones flatlined it was like hello <laughs> all of that starts starting to happen to you and I know it's different for everyone because I know some people in perimenopause have the belly fat and that loss of um the loss of muscle mass and, and that kind of thing and putting on weight. But for me, for some reason, it didn't. Maybe it was just because of the training I was doing. Yeah, so that was that's kind of interesting that it's, everyone's different and it just show, shows it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I can relate to that too. I mean, I think, yeah, I think I had a very similar experience where I knew I was perimenopausal, but I was training and I just made a few tweaks to my diet because I felt like my body was quite inflamed. And when I look back on it, and you'll understand this as well with high intensity training or long distance duration training, you're not really giving your body the time to rest and recover properly. And so it's always in a state of inflammation. So I just thought, oh, the inflammation is due to my diet. So I tweaked a few things in my diet. Next minute, I've got a freaking six pack (laughs) and I've got friends going, oh my gosh, is this what 50 looks like? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like I'm just making the changes as I go along because I feel like it's a health thing and it's a longevity thing. I didn't really relate it to how my body was reacting to the hormone shift. Yeah. You know, and everyone is different. But I, you know, who knows? In a year's time, I could be the belly fat you know <laughs> well I um, definitely I mean and that's that's another thing actually because because of my training because I'm doing this long distance endurance training for an Ironman it's not really ideal for um, our postmenopausal body because it's just throwing cortisol 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 lots of stress onto my body and it, I know it's not ideal but that, that was kind of the interesting part as well because eventually I you know you, you don't want to go well do I give up my dream because it's not really ideal for a menopausal woman or not? And I thought, no, I, I really want to do this. So I found, you know, it, there's ways around things. Do you know what I mean? So it might not be the ideal thing for your body to be doing these long distance events, but it, adapting your training a little bit can mean that you can still still do it. Whether I do another one or not, it's another thing, but I've done this one and I'm so happy that I stuck with it 
even though I had a lot of issues um, throughout yeah. the throughout the two years of training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really inspirational. And I think what it does do is it highlights that we hit a certain point in our life that we do reflect on, hey, I've got maybe another 40 years ahead of me. Yes. I, I've lost someone really close to me at this point in time. And I actually have all this time. So what was yeah. that bucket list? And what were those things that I really, yeah. really wanted to do? And how are they going to influence the way I live the rest of my life, right? Yeah, exactly. And I also yeah. think back to, um, I always talk about this as well. My little, I can remember my nan, she was, she was quite a vocal person and she used to talk about the change all of the time. And it was probably like from my age and literally like it was this downward spiral to the end of her life. She lived till she was 91. So she was talking about the change for 40 years. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking I don't want to I, I don't want to be doing that I want to I want to like have this change as a positive thing not a negative thing for another yeah. 40 years I mean that's that's a long time to be you know to be weighed down by menopause being a negative and I really think it, it can be a positive if you change your mindset maybe make some tweaks and things to your lifestyle and yeah yeah no I hear you and I agree with what you're saying I feel like once we are educated to know what is actually happening during the change, <laughs> once we know what's happening and we know how we can deal with it, and everybody will deal with it in a different way, but there mm. are choices and there is information now. So that's amazing. I, I, um, do you know what? Yeah. I totally agree about that. Like, I think part of the problem in the past is there was no, no one talked about menopause. This is like a, it's a new kind of thing. So it's so good that we're in this space and, and it's happening to us and people are starting to talk about it, but no one talked about it. And people didn't want to accept and me and I looking back probably myself as well that they were going through menopause because it kind of means you're getting old whereas if we can reframe that and go menopause is just another part of our reproductive life and turn it into a positive it just changes everything and it makes people talk about it and we all become more aware and we go okay well that's why that's happening what can I do about it and and things like that so yeah yes 100%. That's why it's called Sexy Aging. <laughs> <laughs> great name, by the way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because it's, I feel the same way. We're, we're not dead yet and there's so much ahead to do and the yeah. experiences and the life things that we've had that we've had to, um, you know, live up to, that the things that we've gone through make us these incredible humans at this stage in life. Like the ability to make very fast decisions um, and know it's the right thing for us or our family or our loved ones. The ability to go, I don't need to deal with that in my life anymore because this is what good looks like. I've had good multiple times. Therefore, every day I want it to be good. And though, therefore, I'm going to package up all that bad stuff and off you go. Mm. And I think that's probably one of the things that we share is that this opportunity to um, step into this new stage of our life and just completely embrace it and all the new things that come with it so mm. i actually want to get back to your um iron man and i have a couple of questions <laughs> yeah. so training for an iron man in post-menopause what are your top tips and i think this is probably going to answer a lot of questions i know i have a lot of fitness friends that follow me on um sexy aging and they'll be going how the heck did she do that <laughs> so if you yeah how did you sort of navigate yeah. and find out what your body needed to be doing well there was a lot of there's a lot of things so Obviously, what the, the most important thing, which I think, not whether you're training for a, an Ironman or not, is I had never prioritised sleep before in my life. I kind of thought that I was above sleep <laughs> ridiculously. <laughs> I just feel ridiculous now that I used to actually think I could survive without sleep. That was my number one change um, as I 
um, progress through this journey, I realised that I had to have sleep. So I prioritised sleep, which meant that I actually ended up uh, giving up a lot of my morning training sessions. Logistically, that was a, is a disaster when you're trying to train for an Ironman because of the volume of um, hours you've got to do. But I think that was one of the most important things for me is that it, if I'd had a bit of a bad night's sleep because of some menopausal issues, then it allowed me just to, to sleep in. And over, if you think about it, over a year, like I probably got two more hours sleep a night, most nights than I had it in the past. Over a year, that adds up to an awful lot of recovery and an awful lot of, um, you know, rejuvenation of your body. So that's my number. That's my number one thing. Um, I made some changes to like the volume. So obviously they say that once you post once you menopause you really shouldn't be doing those long long runs so I, I did the long sessions on the weekend because I had to because I still had to somehow ride 180 kilometers and run a marathon afterwards um but in the during the week I, I had the intervals some interval sessions so they were my priorities my interval sessions in the week and my long weekend sessions and I had some of the more kind of you know those other long longish sessions during the week but I kind of I ended up um having them as optional so if I was really exhausted if my body wasn't feeling right I just scrapped them because the most important thing was getting the interval sessions to build my strength and getting the long sessions on the weekend to to get the to get the distance so uh, I didn't actually end up missing that many of them in the end. my coach was quite good so he was quite a good um good at programming but having that as an option was really good for me because it just gave me that out and it made me really listen to my body about what it needed so if, you know if I just felt a bit off I just scrapped the in-between kind of sessions if that makes sense yeah that makes 100% sense so yeah and it's and it's not a um a mistake that the number one episode on the this podcast was about sleep <laughs> it's so important <laughs> and that's where we started we started yeah. from the oh I did I listened moment. to that yes yeah. it's great yeah it was really good With, with Dr. Wendy and that you integrated that as okay so the very first thing I need to do is figure out how yeah. to rest because yeah. otherwise you're not going to make it right yeah oh there's a, yeah. yeah with rest there's another thing as well like so yeah. when I used to have a rest day I would maybe do still be doing 20,000 steps doing whatever and working in the garden all day and yeah. <laughs> that's not really rest you know what I mean that's kind of it's kind of activity but I I and it's fine for like my now that I'm not training for an Ironman that, that's fine but when I was training for an Ironman and I was smashing my body on the other days I really what the rest day really had to be a rest day and and not look at my watch and worry about not having enough steps and things like that so that yeah. that was kind of important as well and then also um increasing my protein intake and things like that was kind of important because you were losing especially endurance training even eating away your muscle mass even more so I realized that I I come and as I'm sure you do as well come from the Come from the um, 80s where it was all low fat, yeah, <laughs> high carbohydrate, <laughs> and yeah. um, and not that, and protein wasn't really talked about that much. So I kind of, um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't have enough protein in my diet. So I definitely increased my protein intake as well. That's that helped a lot. Yeah. Hey, I'm just doing some study as well, which is really cool when it comes to the stage of life. As you go, hey, I want to keep learning and growing, and um, there's a lot more. Um, papers and science out there about menopause and training which is awesome there's lots of really good resources apps and people that we can talk to books everything it's all out there now but I think what we're trying to do is help people find it right yeah. um so I am looking at protein intake and um a lot of what I do is quite intuitive like I do a lot of intuitive kind of eating or thinking what's 
probably going to be good for my body. Yeah. And then the, the science comes through and I'm like, oh, I'm doing that. That's, that's what right. you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Once, once yeah. you can listen to your body, I mean, I kind of messed my body up over the years with all the um, eating disorder and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like now I'm, I'm a bit the same. I feel like I've... Yeah through this process of menopause it's really made me step back and go okay what does my body need like what what's it feeling and you kind of you know I if I'm craving meat I think well I'm definitely you need to have some more protein kind of yeah thing. it's so good <laughs> yeah, yeah it is good yeah. yeah and you enjoy it as well but I sort of figured out like I, I like you I need the protein and I do lean towards carbohydrate I kind of naturally like to eat carbohydrate I feel like it gives me energy plus I like the way it tastes yeah. um and it carbohydrates like are important don't get me wrong oh yeah yeah no I I mean it's all it's always in my always in my meals throughout the day but it's kind of like how do I divide up my protein so I figured if I need 60 grams of protein, say I'm 60 kilos around about that, and I need 60 grams, I'm now doing um, 25 grams in the morning, 20 grams at lunch, and then 15 grams at night. So I've kind of, that's for me, swapped, doing, it. swapped it around because yeah. I used to eat probably less protein in the morning, and I swapped yeah. it around based on the thermogenic effect of what protein yeah. does when it's breaking down and helping my body sleep. Because if it's thermogenic, then I'm gonna get hot, right? Yeah, that so makes it's sense. Kind of mm. Just kind of putting that together, and I'm not saying to the audience this is the way you should do it, but it's just something that's working for mm. me. Yeah, it and makes plus, sense. And then not eating after seven, and then eating breakfast at nine. I've been doing that for like ten years, and then people are going, "Oh, that's intermittent fasting." I'm like, <laughs> "No, <laughs> that's the way I eat." Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is really interesting to sort of see that um, a lot of these intuitive practices are also kind of recommendations. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I'm learning, learning lots of things. Um, I want to ask you now, get back to your Ironman one more time, yeah. crossing the line. <laughs> Can you share with us, uh, how did it feel for you to um, go through the race and finish? You know, like, how did it feel? So it was just, I just can't even describe it because this was a two-year journey for me. So it started out as a seven-month journey um, and then with menopause and COVID and all those kind of things turned out to be a two-year journey. So, and it, it feel, felt impossible so many times throughout that time. And even leading up to the actual Ironman, we went into a snap lockdown and I had to escape out of Melbourne, like on the last flight out. I was there all alone and because uh, no one no one ended up being able to make it because our lockdown was there. So I was in cans alone, like wandering around by myself, uh, started the Ironman and um, everything came together on the day. Like my my coach and I, our, our plan just came, to, everything came together perfectly. I just couldn't be happier with how my, if I only do one Ironman, uh, like my coach said, you just, you know, give it all and follow the plan because you know in the cycling you have to kind of watch your heart rate because you can't go too hard in the cycling or there's like people lying on the on the road when they're in, when they actually get to the run so everything came together and I'm yeah I, in the run I'm just yeah it's just amazing like the last 2k I'm just I was sprinting I mean I probably wasn't sprinting I was probably shuffling but it felt like I was sprinting everything had come together and I'm sprinting down that down that red carpet thing and it was just the best feeling in my whole life I just I can't believe that a 52 year old menopausal woman with not really that much you know endurance athletic ability could do this and yeah across the line and then I just started sobbing 
<laughs> hysterically like I had no one there to watch me I'm just there by myself sobbing hysterically but it was just yeah, the one of the happiest days in my life <laughs> again with like the marathon just kind of up there with childbirth that, that's kind yeah. of like the way I, I like to explain it for people who've had children it's just this euphoria and um emotion and yeah just incredible well watching you share that story I can just see you taking yourself back <laughs> so if anyone listens to the podcast I recommend maybe going to the YouTube to check check out the story because I think it's just it's just so inspirational and I think probably for us women in our 50s once again it's like you can do these things you can do whatever you put your mind to you know and um, I know I, that's... I totally agree. You know what? We're just so yeah. much more capable of so much more than what we can ever imagine. And yeah, it's it's really our our mind stopping us. Not you know we can we can do it. You just got to change your mindset a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and you're so humble, Tanya. And um, <laughs> like so, I I can read it when I'm reading your blogs, your posts, and stuff. They've obviously come after the the Iron Man, and you're in, reintroducing yourself to the world. And you're such a humble person. I can only imagine that there would have been um, maybe some hesitation around writing what you wrote, but it's very authentic. It's very vulnerable and you're going to really inspire so many women. Thank you. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me at Sexy Aging Podcast. It's an awesome, it's an honor to have you here. <laughs> and yeah, what's actually before we move off, one last question, because I can ask one last question. Um, what's coming up for you now? Uh, I don't know. I have, I've kind of, I've had given my body three months off just to recuperate and really recover. And do you know what? I've never done an Olympic distance triathlon, <laughs> which so I might, maybe I might do one of those, but do you know what I really want to do? Because I, one of the things I love doing is hiking and I've been to New Zealand a couple of times, actually. I've done the Milford um, track and the Milford, Ruthern yeah. track. And, awesome. Um, yeah, dragged my kids there a few years ago. And, yeah, so I just want to do some more hiking. And that's that's kind of what, I, that's what I'm kind of all about. I just want to be doing those kind of things for the rest of my life. I'm hoping to be still doing stuff like that when I'm 80 and, yeah, and maybe even older. So, yeah, I want to get back into that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll join you. I'll join you because it's literally like well, I was telling my husband when we moved back to New Zealand, that one of the things I'm most looking forward to is um, cycling and hiking all the tracks of New yes. Zealand from the top oh, to got, the bottom. Uh, yeah. You've got the best facilities over there. Like it's just, it's just, yeah, amazing. I want to do some cycling over there as well. Some of the trails, it's just amazing. You're so lucky to live in such a beautiful yeah. place. But that's also like my bucket list post 50. It's like, okay, so now I get to do these things, you know, it's not like, yes. oh, yeah. you know, I'm too old or whatever. I'm like, no, this is it. This is how it's going to roll out. I'm going to yeah. do that for the next 10 and then I'll find something else. I'll get into sailing or. <laughs> yeah. And you've got, you know? you've got a young, fairly young child as well, haven't you? So, yeah. um, so we have to keep doing these things because yeah, yeah because we're, we're, like, I'm still, I've got teenagers, so I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in all of that. So I've got, because then they'll be you know kind of have their own life and I'll be able to actually do some more of my, my own things then so um we have to stay fit and healthy because we're, we're kind of older parents and and you know they're not going to be gone out of our lives for quite a while before we can actually do some of the things that we want to do by ourselves so yeah, yeah that's so true yeah we got to stick around for a bit longer yeah. <laughs> hey thank you so much Tanya thank you I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sexy Aging. Every episode leaves me feeling more educated and inspired. If there is a topic that you would like to hear about or a person you believe would make a great guest for Sexy Aging, 
then drop me an email, tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com or direct message to the Sexy Aging Instagram or Facebook accounts.